Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there. Welcome to The Hash, live on Coindesk TV. Real time. It's real interesting. You never know what's going to happen. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jen Sanasi. We got Will Foxley, and we are here to get you up to speed, as always, on the day's crypto news that stood out to us. So I'm starting off today. We got a pair of FTX stories. Let's do this thing. So FTX seemingly collapsed in a day, but the bankruptcy process does not play out as quickly. We got two stories here. First up, FTX users potentially targeted in a possible phishing attacked. This is an email sent to users from an official looking address saying reset your password. It's a little bit suspicious, a little bit sketchy. We're not sure at this point based on the reporting if it's real or if it was an attack out there by unsuspecting former FTX customers. That's one. Two, FTX bankruptcy process seeking to claw back $71 million from FTX's life sciences arm. FTX and SBF specifically were very keen on funding a lot of life sciences research that could potentially do much good for the world. But FTX unwound, and now the bankruptcy proceeding is trying to get back as much money as possible for its many creditors. A couple of nuggets here, one on the OPSEC end, one on the slow march toward justice. I'm going to throw it to Will for his initial thoughts on this double shot of FTX news. Yeah, cybersecurity. Not interesting stuff, but I'll get your ass. So you better pay attention to it. Uh, that's all I have to say for that story. The other one is a little more interesting to me because it does involve a lot of money. We've seen a few headlines like this. So I'm kind of like lost in the malaise of so many FTX headlines trying to claw back funds on behalf of its previous customers. There's been stuff with BlockFi. There's been stuff with Three Years Capital. There's been stuff with other partners out there. You've seen this piece. They've even included stuff about celebrities, right? Where they gave a lot of money to celebrities, the Tom Brady's and the Steph Curry's of the world. And I think uh, FTX kind of wants that money back to pay back its customers and maybe even pay back all the lawyers that they're paying right now to go through this chapter 11 proceeding. The question for me is like, when can you get this money back and what's the reason for it? Because if FTX was operating as a legitimate business, as it sort of was before November of last year when things started falling apart so quickly, 
then it's just a business transaction, right? And just because it went into chapter 11 afterwards doesn't really necessarily mean anything. From my understanding, it's typically like 90 days prior to the declaration of chapter 11 is when some of these funds can be clawed back, but there's restrictions on that. We've seen, uh, or I guess all of us have become somewhat familiar with chapter 11 proceedings because there's been so many over the last two years. But I have a hard time believing that some of those funds can be clawed back because it certainly was earlier than that 90-day period. But hey, I'm no legal expert on the show. So let's give it to Jen, who is our legal <laughs> expert. I think if you have the funds and you have a stand-up business and FTX comes and asks you for those funds because they want to pay back their users, I think they owe users something to the tune of $8 billion. You probably want to do it if, if you can, just for the PR. If we look at what the lawyer said in this filing, well, they said, while purporting to make these investments for altruistic purposes like pandemic prevention and preparedness, Bankman Freed, in fact, pursued these transactions because he believed that doing so would generate goodwill and amass political capital and influence for himself. So that's one of the reasons why they've given for trying to get back this 70 some odd million dollars. Will you pointed to that 700 million dollar number we learned that they're trying to get back from those two celebrity connectors. So it feels like they're just going after everyone who took money from Sam Bankman Fried and FTX. But like, when does it end, good, right? What a good argument behind it. And maybe they'll get some of those funds back. I think the New York uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art actually did give back 550, yeah, $550,000. They agreed to return it. So I think it ends when, when they've got an answer from everyone. They've been able to get some funds back. I, me, I think desperate times call for desperate measures. Let me throw this at you. You, you read that, okay. that quote from the lawyer who said that Sam Bacon Free was trying to do a mass clout for his company. What CEO is not doing that in crypto? What CEO is not trying to do a mass clout? Lots of these companies do this, right? Lots of them have sponsorships with sports teams, have sponsorships with influencers. Like everyone does that. So that's not a rationale for clawing back funds in any sense. I'm sorry that FTX went under and that people lost funds. But like those were legitimate business transactions at the time, even if they were exorbitantly overpaid, which I think all of these were like $700 million just to get celebrity connections. That's crazy. You didn't need to do that. And there was a lot of criticism at FTX at the time for doing so. But it doesn't mean that you can go back and claw back all these funds because, you know, they inked the deal. That's who was at the helm of the, the ship at the time. I don't know. Zach? Lawyer's going to lawyer. John J. Ray, man, he, he's, he's not playing, dog. He's coming for that money no matter what. I think this is funny because it also kind of it reminds me of that. Remember that Vox piece where like the reporter like published all the DMs with SBF? Yeah. And he's like, all us, all us woke Westerners, we're just saying the right liberal shibboleths to make everyone like us. This one kind of is that a little bit, right? Like SBF was sort of hitting all the right buttons to get the world to think, oh, this guy, he's an upstanding CEO. He's out here doing good in the world. And this funding of life sciences and COVID research was kind of one of those ones that in retrospect is one of those right shibboleths that uh, SBF talked about when he wasn't under the impression that it was going to be made public shortly thereafter. So yeah, it is funny to kind of look back and, uh, and, and remember some of these statements and then see how it intersects with the court of law as, as it relates to the bankruptcy proceeding itself. So it is, uh, it is a bit funny to watch this be unwound piece by piece, the empire in shambles. Alameda FTX Empire, man. Down bad. What a story. What a story it was. Still going. Still going on. Also, if you're looking to file a claim in the proceedings, remember, September 29th, I believe, is your deadline. That is a real known fact, despite potential phishing attacks and whatnot. So that's a public service announcement. Get that in by late September if you want to be in line. Anyway, Jen, I'm tossing it to you. 
Yeah, well, I I just want to point out about the phishing attacks. These are potential phishing attacks, right? They're not confirmed. The email address is one that is attached to FDX's customer service. And so it could be legit and it could also not be legit. So these tips we give you about phishing attacks are not going to work here. Proceed with caution. Wait for more information. That's my public service announcement on the phishing attacks. But let's get into something a little bit more light to do with the whole FTX saga. So if you thought that the FTX saga had so much drama, it should be depicted in the next TV series. You are not alone because Web3 Studio Toonstar is bringing fortune to life. This is an animated series that unpacks crypto bro culture, and it has a protagonist partially based on Sam Bankman Freed. Now, just seeing how much Sam loves the spotlight, I just have to wonder what Sam Bankman-Fried thinks of this show coming out. I have to think that he kind of loves it a little bit, Zach. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, he's got bigger problems on his mind, I'm sure, right now. But yeah, these are the folks that we talked to at Consensus, I believe, right? These are the Toonstar folks. We talked to them on stage. They had done this space junk thing. This one's certainly a more timely vehicle that's attached to the news cycle a bit more than a bunch of enterprising folks seeking to clean up space trash. Interesting to see, again, that they're expanding their portfolio of these animated Web3-powered uh, series, right? These are things that include NFT fan engagement and whatnot. Actually, a pretty big name cast of characters involved in this one. Mm -hmm. Fans of Silicon Valley will know a lot of the folks in there. Fans of Kanye West may uh, recall Amber Rose. She's also involved, according to this story. So that's also a funny little side note. But yeah, this, I think, is very much in line with what we talked about with these folks from Toonstar, right? They want to build new ways to engage with fans, build a new way to create a more equitable, fan-driven Hollywood. And I guess they're hoping that maybe this one, maybe this more spicy topic will be the one that cracks the code for getting folks to express meaningful engagement by way of tokens, in this case, in the form of NFTs. So I'm interested to see how this one actually plays out. I think it's a bit more compelling as a pitch relative to the space junk thing. And it features some of the same cast, John Hader from uh, Napoleon Dynamite fame and more. So yeah, I don't know. Cool that they're doing something timely. I still think Web3 fan engagement in Hollywood has not yet worked. We've seen some efforts to do it, but maybe this will be the one that moves the needle. Will, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you on the last point. It's hard to break what is over 100 years of history of certain ways of things being done. So that's going to take a while, but Toonstars is definitely pressing on that. And they're leaning into not only the Web3 model, but also Web3 topics, right? Sam Bankman-Fried is going to be a topic for quite a while. And I think that crypto bro culture is easily memeable, easily identifiable for most people. A lot of people have a Bitcoin bro in their circle or know of someone in their circle who's like that. And they are difficult to be around at certain times, especially when the price is going up or when the price is going down. And so why not lean into that and make a comic about it? So I think I applaud them for that. And I think it's going to be uh, a pretty successful debut, or at least I hope it is, because I want to see more of these things roll out and bring crypto more so into like the regular everyday life. And I like the fact that they're kind of like making fun of the model, right? Like they're embracing Web3 with this model, but they're they're willing to make fun of it as well, and make light of it. So I think that's an important aspect of any sort of like creative endeavor out there. Jen? Will, you're our Bitcoin bro. It's okay. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Inseparable. <laughs> Inseparable. Always. I really like that there's this game that's part of the show experience. So you get an NFT and then you can participate. They didn't really say how the game is going to work, but you can kind of participate in this ecosystem that's going to be driven by the show. And there's a market involved and the market action happens in relation to what happens in the show. And so I think this is like going to be a really cool experiment. And because of the characters, because it's based on what's actually happening 
in crypto and in tech, there was some reference to what's happened at WeWork and Theranos. I think it's going to draw in an audience that is already experimenting with NFTs and crypto and following the markets. And so maybe there's a little bit of an audience built in there. And so maybe this will work for a niche audience and it will be something fun that we can we can follow. So I'm I'm all in. I I can't wait to see this come to the silver screen. Zach? Yeah, I think you're smart. I think like the power of memes and kind of like the power of inside jokes, like maybe the best thing that this has going for it, right? Like there are certain things that happen within the crypto mm-hmm. echo chamber that aren't going to resonate with your average TV viewer, I'd imagine. So again, sort of hewing more closely to the crypto narrative with this project may indeed be the way to get those folks who are already familiar and conversant with technologies such as Web3 wallets to actually use this stuff to engage with creative projects going forward. So anyway, again, I'm excited to see if this one uh, bears fruit. 150,000 Hollywood actors joined writers last week on their strike over fair pay, assurances about the use of AI, and a few other sticking points. Could Web3 offer a solution? Joining us now is StoryCo co-founder, previously known as StoryDAO, JP Alanese. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be thanks here. For, thanks for being here with us. <laughs> Now, the last time we spoke, you were announcing the creation of a DAO for producers and storytellers, allowing people to co-own IP. Talk to us about how that's progressed and why it might offer a solution to uh, the hundreds of thousands of Hollywood actors and writers we see on strike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, StoryCo is uh, an entertainment platform. Um, It enables storytellers to create and publish multimedia stories, engage a fan base in those stories. Um, allow them to monetize and, and really use the powers of, of network creativity to expand those stories into really expansive universes of IP. Um, so we are today uh, launching two initiatives, uh, Co-Create and uh, Profit Points. Co-Creates are an invitation to build upon those stories in creative ways and Profit Points allow people to participate in the upside success of the IP in its life and allow people to uh, yeah participate in the profit. Hey, JP, thanks for being here. Tell me how lawyered up you guys had to get to do this sort of profit sharing arrangement, right? I think there's a lot of concern, angst, anxiety in the space around what is and what is not a digital asset security. Talk to me about the legal process in this environment specifically that made you comfortable to be able to do this arrangement. No, absolutely. I mean, the answer is very lawyered up. Uh, we're very buttoned up with all of this. But we're making sure that we are giving profit points to the people who are contributing actively to the universe. And, and, and that's what co-create is really all about. So we are creating the core of a narrative, essentially. It's uh, being written by Kyle Killen, who's the showrunner of the Halo series that was on Paramount+. And basically what he's doing is he's creating that core of that narrative. And we're allowing people through co-creates to submit their creative work, trying to create alternate pathways for creators around the world to be able to contribute to large IP. And by doing that work, they are essentially being able to own a piece of the upside success of that. So it's not profit points for just sitting and and holding or staking. It is profit points for actually doing work that is meaningful to the IP, that moves the IP forward. And there's a whole bunch of ways to do that. You can do that as a fan. Uh, you can do that as a fan by by voting on your favorite submission. But if you're taking a real action towards moving that IP forward, you're no different than a Hollywood producer. That's all a Hollywood producer really does is is, is make decisions, uh, creative decisions based on that IP. And so if you're actively involved in our ecosystem, if you're actively voting, if you're actively creating, 
uh, you should own an underlying piece of that IP. And I think that's what all these writers are fighting for right now in, in, in all these labor disputes that we're seeing in Hollywood. Yeah, just quick follow up. I think it kind of gets to the question of why do you need a blockchain for this? And I want your views on that, right? Because this is probably about, you know, tracking the provenance of various ideas. And that seems particularly well suited to a blockchain, right? So I kind of wanted to get to that question. Why blockchain for this? Kind of by way of what I'm hearing you say in that response. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a great question. And I think one of the things that writers and creators have a specific problem with in Hollywood today is the lack of transparency. No one publishes any data and all of the revenue, all of the profit around what a show makes is all really obfuscated from creators. And I think that's another, another answer to the question of why blockchain. We're looking to create a, a transparent system. I think the provenance is, is one of the main aspects, of course. I mean, being able to attribute um, ideas to certain people, uh, having that be on chain, and then being able to uh, sort of immediately have people participate in the revenue as soon as there's a monetary event is another big reason. So I think it's, it's transparency, it's provenance. And that's why I think um, a lot of these Web3 ideas are, are going to start to change things in Hollywood. JP, great to have you on the show today. I'm going to pull a quote out from yourself, actually, to talk sure. about this story. You said on Coindesk that the next Star Wars, the next Pokemon will be community owned. I want to talk about like that revenue model that you're forecasting. We have like this split in Web3 where we want creators to get all the money they can and not labels, but we also want the communities to be a part of this and for them to have some sort of incentive, not, not only buy it, but hold assets related to the show. How do you sort of bundle all those different pieces together? Yeah, I mean, I really don't think there's a delineation between creators and fans in the sort of next generation of IP that's going to be created. I think cr uh, fans want to have more of a say in what happens in their favorite franchises. I think we see that all the time. They not only want to have a say in it, but they want to be able to contribute to it. And so I think our mission at StoryCo is to really blur that line between what is a creator and what is a fan and invite fans to actually become creators, give them opportunities to say, what do you want to see happen in this narrative universe? If it's the next Star Wars, I mean, are you really liking this idea about uh, the Mandalorian? Should we keep going with that? That is, uh, that is a question you can pose to fans. Fans can vote on that. Fans can create their own ideas. Um, and so I think we all, we see it all as uh, work that whether you're a fan and, and voting or whether you're a creator and you're creating in these universes, we see these all as actions that increase the overall value of the IP. And so if you can group them that way, then I think you can attribute profit points to, to those people uh, kind of in kind with how much they are actually uh, contributing value. All right, JP, this really disrupts an industry that's been working one way for a really long time to benefit the studios. Is there a role for studios in this future that you're describing to us? I think there is. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see the old system going away. I just see an alternate path to being able to create IP. You know, I think uh, studios leveraging the power of communities and bringing communities in and fan and fan communities in at an earlier point is really beneficial for studios. So studios looking to use a platform like Storyco to really test out what they're going to invest money in. Uh, I think there's always a place for um, those who want to invest in content. I think it's just about how they do that and how much ownership that they're giving to creators. All right. We are going to leave it there. JP, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you all.
That was StoryCo co-founder JP Alanese. That was delightful. I actually like that Web3 story a lot. Right? Those, those substantive conversations. But now we have to turn over to banking stuff, which is not that fun for a lot of people. But we do have big news out of the Federal Reserve right now. Fed now is now live. The 24-7 banking system that connects banks to banks and allows for instantaneous payment settlement across the United States is now live. This is not Venmo, but it is instantaneous payments between bank accounts. So if you want to send an invoice to a bank or business, you can do this through FedNow, through your banking partner, and have that money in your checking account or your partner's checking account within seconds. This is a huge update to the Federal Reserve System. It's boring background infrastructure that actually matters quite a bit and has a great crypto angle because this is what stable coins are supposed to do, right? So now we have a competitor on the central bank level with what crypto is building in the private sphere. Zach, saw your hand go up. What's your take on this? What if this is the true legacy of crypto, guys? What if the established Bye. system co-opting a lot of these advancements they got is us. the true legacy <laughs> of crypto? Think about it, guys. Think about it. I pose that question to you. This could be the world in which we live, right? Crypto instant settlement makes the Fed do stuff that is actually more efficient for the US economy. Maybe that's ultimately what crypto was sent to do rather than unseat and disrupt the incumbent system. That would be a pretty crazy plot twist. But I think as we were talking about in the previous segment, I think an alternate universe will continue to persist for the foreseeable future, right? The existing system ain't going anywhere, whether it's big studios in Hollywood or whether it's Jerome Powell and the Fed. But that doesn't mean that another path can't also exist. And that path is privately issued cryptocurrencies in the form of Bitcoin, Ether, and others, right? So yeah, I think obviously there's a little bit of co-option happening here among the Fed, thinking about their views on what fintech can mean here in the 21st century and how it can make the banking system overall more efficient in the wake of a lot of these banking crises. Uh, but it certainly is a shot across the bow, I think, to a lot of people working in the crypto space who said maybe we could unseat and replace some of these legacy systems. Seems as though maybe the legacy systems will catch up with some of the advancements first set forth by crypto advocates. And I think that's maybe the big meta story here, but hey, I don't know. Jen, what do you think? Zach, those were exactly my thoughts. The article mentioned officials like Powell who have said that this is going to help avoid the need for private sector alternatives. But I think that, you know, the private sector has pushed the Fed to innovate, to solve some of the sticking points that have existed for a really long time. And the private sector will continue to exist, will continue to grow as the Fed continues to solve problems. And so I think everything can coexist and there are options out there. And that is that. DC. I'm so sad Wendy's not here today. She would be... Yeah, she, oh, she would, would take this in a whole Ooh. different direction. She'd be she so angry. The amount of size. It'd be like one so There'd be size. so many sides. Oh, the size. She would have yelled CBDC oh. at the camera at least four times. We didn't even mention CBDCs. She would have did the NPC money printer sound. That oh, would have yeah. been a big hit. Yeah. I know. We miss you, Wendy. We can't, we can't do it. We can't do it justice. All right, that's it. Stop the show. I have something to shill. We're doing a Twitter Spaces later today, 5 p.m. Eastern. That's right. Google Play, our NFTs, a game changer. Talking about some Web 2 to Web 3 stuff. And you know who's going to be there? Jensen Assey. Better check that out. All right. I'm Zach. That's Will. It's Jen. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. 
If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, the hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.